0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity,
1: we are still seeing it quite well through that haze. The fight is e, e equals 14, MC. 13. That 13.
0: all men are created equal. About the future innovation and growing strength in the air. We can take head
1: on. happening coming up on stage. This is Finding Your Frequency. With your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure, it's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. And, you know, this Friday is uh, the Friday right after Thanksgiving. This is airing, and, you know, we're all just kind of uh, a week past our, our, our comatosis of uh, of turkey and tryptophan overdose and all that fun stuff. But I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, we thank you all for tuning in and listening Uh you know, December kind of starts a couple of different cycles for a lot of people, a lot of companies. You know, some people start in Q4 uh, in October, planning for what they're going to be doing for next year, uh, gathering paperwork and, and the components necessary to get ready to file taxes for the the next year. And so we wanted to talk about uh, some some tax and wealth tips everyone could learn and uh, should be learning in school. Uh, but we also wanted to kind of just talk about uh, taxes and CPA and kind of the, the state of affairs in that professional services state. And uh, we have a guest that's joining us today. He's CPA and CEO of Wealth Ability and author Tom Wheelwright. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us. And Tom's right here in our own backyard here in Phoenix, Arizona. So we always love it when local folks come in because it allows us to kind of make a connection and and meet new people and and have them come into our nice facility and uh, come from the cold into the cold.
0: It's, it's actually great to see faces
1: right instead of just being on the air Yeah uh, I know you do a podcast as well and uh, I do I do so many different recordings on a, on, a, on a weekly basis where I you know I'm on zoom or I'm on Skype and you know we're a stickler for sound quality so I'm like no just turn your video off because we don't want to have any bandwidth interference and then I don't I don't get to look at the person or see them so it's great to have you in studio. No thanks it's really great you being here. So, Tom, we know that uh, you're a best-selling author, uh, Tax-Free Wealth, which is a Rich Dad advisor series. You're a speaker, entrepreneur, a host of two popular podcasts. Uh, but before we get into what you're doing now, let's kind of set the tone for you know who Tom is and where did Tom get started. Uh, you know, Finding your frequency is all about that journey, uh, You know how you ended up where you are. So tell us a little bit of that story of how you found your frequency in life and in business and ended up becoming a CPA.
0: Now, you know what? I-, I appreciate that question because I-, I grew up in a family business. My dad was a printer, actually a pretty sizable printing company, and we, all the kids, there are six of us, I'm the youngest of six, and we all worked there in some capacity or another. You know, my brother worked in the in the uh, print shop, and yeah. you know, I had a brother and a sister who worked in the art shop, and I worked in the accounting shop, <laughs> and uh, and my mother was the controller. So I was a bit of a mama's as, boy, as mom probably always is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> whether you to shop or not. she had the, she actually
0: had the title, <laughs> oh. but you know what? I I learned that I always loved numbers. Numbers came easy for me, and uh, and I thought about the other side. I thought is I thought about law because I love I love the law. I love what's going on the on the law. I find it fascinating to, you know, see that words matter. So all words matter. And so, you know, I I really thought about going into law. The only problem is I don't like lawyers. (laughs) So I actually decided if I'm going to hang out, do I hang out with the lawyers or accountants? And and I really actually decided that becoming a lawyer wasn't going to enhance the better parts of my personality because I tended to be argumentative argumentative to begin with. And so that was just going to enhance that what I consider to be a negative personality trait. And so I decided, you know what, I'll hang with the accountants, they're a little lower key, and we'll combine law with numbers. And that's what
1: tax law and tax accounting is all about. That's awesome. Uh, you said you didn't like lawyers. I, I think it's funny because when you watch TV shows all the time, and literally that's all lawyers do—they are just constantly arguing. Except for it's like the art of arguing, right? They've 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 came up with a a specific and strategic way to ask questions and argue that doesn't make the other person want to yell at them. Oh, I don't, I don't understand that.
0: <laughs> no, no, you know what? It, it it's totally cool. I mean, I love a good argument. I actually spent two years in France as a uh, Mormon missionary. And uh, the French love to argue, and they're able to argue without (laughs) getting offended, right? I mean, unlike in the U.S., we tend to get offended when we argue. In in France, they don't get offended. They just like to argue. And French is a great language for arguing. And so I'd, I'd have 30-minute discussions, arguments I'd, with, with guys on the street. They were waiting for their bus, and three buses would come by, but they would continue arguing with me. That's how much they love to argue. So it, it's fun to argue. It's just that, you know... I, I still don't like lawyers. <laughs>
1: I like what you said about arguing in French because when you listen to French just as a language itself, it's, beautiful. it's, it's so beautiful. So you're like, are they really arguing? About, <laughs> but I wow, that's, that's totally. Yeah, that's the most elegant argument I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> All arguments should be done in French. That's, that's that's my theory. So tell us about your company WealthAbility. Uh, what what decided? Uh, what what, did, what made you decide to start your own your own firm?
0: Well, so I started my own CPA firm, first CPA firm, 25 years ago. And I, what I did was I'd been in the big four accounting firms, right? I'd been with Ernst & Young, and then I, I'd been in a Fortune 500 company, in-house tax advisor for Fortune 500. And what I decided is I really like entrepreneurs, and I don't like the big companies. Um, it just wasn't me. And so what I really wanted to do was bring really high-level tax advice to the entrepreneur because... What I saw was that the big four was they'd been they'd completely drifted away from serving entrepreneurs. They were really serving the big companies. When they when they went from eight to six to five to right, the final four. Yeah. Then they they really lost all interest in entrepreneurs per se. And so there was a huge void. And I just thought, you know what, somebody needs to be out there giving entrepreneurs what they need because entrepreneurs I think entrepreneurs are what make the world go round. And it's it's where all the great energy comes from. It's where all the great inventions come from. You know, all the great technology comes from entrepreneurs. Um, you don't see uh, you don't see the big big companies coming up with new technology. They're buying the new technology. They're not creating the new technology. And so, I just wanted to I just want to do something cool for entrepreneurs. And then what I realized as I got going was that uh, entrepreneurs are really good running their business. They're not really good at investing. And so what happens is they spend all their time and they build this great business and then they turn their money over to Wall Street, right? Who really is just interested in Wall Street. They're yeah. not really interested in the, in the client. They're really interested in how, how do I make money for myself? And if the client wins, great. Um, if they don't, that's okay too, as long as I win. And so we created WealthAbility with the idea of you having an ability to create your own wealth instead of having to rely on somebody else to create wealth. So our whole mission in life is to help uh, entrepreneurs and investors create their own wealth.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because you, you have these large accounting firms who are not, like you said, as interested in the entrepreneurs. They're interested in, I want to be the accounting firm for a Fortune 500 company, exactly. a Fortune 100 company for those larger entities, and and you're 100% correct. A lot of the uh, growth trajectory for technology and new advancements in uh, patent delivery has been mostly on the small company entrepreneur side. I did an interview with a patent attorney a couple of weeks ago, and that was something that... Uh, she had brought also to the table was that of all of these patents that are being held by Google and Facebook and these other large technology corporations, they bought all of those bits of technology and put them underneath their IP portfolio for their publicly traded company to make them more valuable. And the entrepreneur was the one who is who is pushing the majority of those things and we're seeing the same thing also in um, in Hollywood and entertainment, where um, you have smaller companies that are driving all of the new technological advances in virtual reality and augmented reality, and then the studios like DreamWorks and, and those such are then gobbling those other entities up. And um, I, that, I was at a conference in Hollywood a couple of weeks ago, and I was just amazed at you know the the two and three man entrepreneurial operations that are making so much strides in technology, and um, I would imagine that you're probably seeing some. Some of those same scenarios, maybe in uh, accounting and professional services, where uh, some of the smaller organizations might be leveraging some of the newer technologies and uh, and and embracing that outside of you know the larger ones, which I know are doing the same thing, but they're doing it for efficiency purposes to try to increase their overhead. Whereas I think the smaller accounting firm will be, um, you know, leveraging it to be more, you know, customer centric, right? So they can be in front of their customer more, not necessarily to streamline their processes.
0: Well, for sure. I mean, if you look at the the big accounting firms, they're doing it for themselves, right? They mm-hmm. want to do it for internal purposes. So we're actually, um, we actually are creating our own technology, WealthAbility is. And the reason we're doing it is because we feel like the small CPA firms, which are really good CPA firms, when you think about if you want to go to a great restaurant, you typically don't choose a chain, right? You <laughs> typically choose a small mom and pop, right? But the problem the mom and pops have is they don't have marketing, they don't have um, systems, they don't have support that they need in order to, you know, grow and expand and, and, and do a better job for right. their existing customers and, and frankly, make more money. So what we're doing is we've created a network of CPA firms around the country, and we're building, I mean, we've been in it a year and we have 25 CPA firms. So we're building, building, building um, with our an eventual goal of 10,000 CPA firms worldwide. So You guys did the first 25 in a year? In a year. Okay, yeah, right. so, so that, not that's bad. a good start. Not bad, it's, yeah. a, it's a good start. And uh, what we're finding is is that CPA firms, the, the local firms, they're really good at customer service. They just don't have the support. They're just like the mom and pop restaurant. So what we're doing is actually creating the technology to support the local CPA firm as opposed to support the big CPA firm. And and our goal is that eventually everybody will have access to that technology. It won't just be contained within our organization.
1: So is that like um, a subscription based model that you guys provide to the to the smaller accounting firms or how does how that entry work for them to be able to leverage those tools?
0: Well so what we do is is we train these CPAs and we actually deliver clients to them. So we're a marketing company as well. And uh, because we've, we've got a message that somehow hits the investors and the entrepreneurs pretty well. Um, uh, evidence, you know, who would think a tax book would be a bestseller. So, I mean, seriously, that's a pretty, pretty big ask. And, and so what happens is, is that... We're trying, you know, we want to train them. We want to create quality control as well. So really the first technology we're coming out with is to help them with their quality control because it's very hard. They have to train each person that comes in. They have to do everything, you know, one, one off basically. And so what we're creating this is the system and actually codifying, literally putting it into uh, code, uh, the system for them to be able to do a better job with their clients.
1: So what types of new technology are you guys leveraging inside of the system? Are you guys using bots or artificial intelligence or kind of just give us a a broad Mm -hmm. overview?
0: We absolutely use artificial intelligence. And and eventually we'll use blockchain as well. Because I I think those are the two big technologies for our profession. And I think that the challenge is, is that our profession, in the most part, a lot of people are going to get left out and because they're still focused on his being historians right I and mean, that's the fundamental issue with the accounting profession i mean our whole goal is to transform our profession so we're not we're not shy about this we think our profession is old and tired and they need to do something new and frankly they're going to have to do something new because let's face it bookkeeping is a thing of the past i mean you're going to have bookkeeping done through Technology. It's you know, with blockchain technology. There's no reason to be manually entering anything. You don't have tax returns. I think will eventually be done at least ninety percent by technology. You yeah. know, you're not going to have to have. I mean, you're going to you're going to take a you're, you're going to you know upload your documents into a system and it's going to spit out a tax return. Now you need somebody to to look at that. Mm-hmm. But where CPAs, I think could really make some strides with themselves and with the profession is using that technology. Because when it comes down to it, the CPA is the most trusted business advisor of all entrepreneurs and yet cpas tend to be focused so much on you know historical facts and looking at the past last year's tax return last month's financial statements that they're not focused on what do we do in the future for the client how do we make the client more profitable well they have all the information and they're smart people and they know numbers and so they now with this new technology they ought to be able to use this technology to create better
1: results for their clients yeah, you bring up a really good point. And I think a lot of people who are in the professional services industry as a CPA and have those firms, they look at technology and they think, well, if the technology is going to be doing all of this work that I would normally do this historical work in the past, well, what is now my place as a human being in this new techno society, right? And one of the things that I've always you know, thought about in that space is, you know, if you're not living your life in the past as a CPA and you're living your life in the future because technology is doing that you're you're no longer just a CPA you're a wealth advisor you're um, and as you as you mentioned you're you know CPAs are some of the tr- most trusted uh, components of a company i know that you know the CPA for our company world talk radio is a family friend of ours right um, he does my mom's business's taxes my personal taxes the company's taxes the CFO's personal taxes and you know so we as a group we really trust that firm they've been um, a long standing firm and so that trust has uh, goes a long way because we trust that the numbers he puts together those things are going to be advantageous for the company we trust that when we have conversations about the future and how we should be saving capital for cash flow because as any small business knows cash flow is the most important thing you could ever have. Right. Um, and so I think that leaves you guys available for that wealth advisory position.
0: Well, that's the thing. It, it freezes up, yeah. right? It freezes <laughs> up from doing stuff that is is mundane. And frankly, nobody likes, I mean, almost nobody really likes doing a tax year. Nobody really likes, you know, preparing financial statements, doing bookkeeping. I, I can't imagine that that's really what you want to do with your life. Um, on the other hand, think about all that knowledge. I mean, they a typical CPA has seen hundreds and thousands of businesses over their lifetime. And they've got all this inherent knowledge that computers can't do that, right? They, they, it's a, they're, they're a long way from being able to assimilate all that information and mm-hmm. in the way we can and kind of sense what needs to be done. And so let's say that you had the AI technology that actually gave you the tools so that you could actually um, look at those numbers – and interpret those numbers and then sit down with your client and advise the, the client on what they want to do in the future. Because entrepreneurs are focused on their business. They, they really are not, for the most part, numbers people. They're really business people. They're sales people. Yeah. They're marketing people. You know, they're, they're uh, creative people. And so to have an advisor who can come and say, okay, here's what the numbers say and here's what, by the way, if you did this, this, and this, either your taxes would go down this way, your cash flow would go up this way, or, you know, your business would increase this way. That would be to me. That would be way more fun and yeah. way more valuable than sitting around doing
1: tax returns. I think any business owner would rather know, you know, in October that they need to give some bonuses out to employees so to lower their tax liability, rather than finding that out after the calendar year is already over and there's nothing you could do backwards, right? <laughs> that absolutely, and, and there's
0: <laughs> there's just so much you can do. And you know, when you when you talk about the tax law. You know, every day, think about this every dollar you come get that you get in is either taxable or not, and every dollar you spend is either deductible or not. And so everything you do as a business owner impacts your taxes. So, wouldn't it be nice if you actually had. Somebody who could sit there and walk you through, by the way, if you did this, this, and this, your taxes would go down by this amount of money. And you get to choose whether you want to do it or not. But what we always say at Wealth Ability we always say, if you want to change your tax, you have to change your facts. <laughs> and so... W-
1: Our job is to help you know what facts to change. Your job is to actually go out and make the change. Well, and I think with technology, you know, um, like our company, right, at the end of every month, we do the audit for the previous month and reconciliations for credit card processes and transactions and all that fun stuff, right? Um, And if you know that that, that that process is no longer manual, right, and, you know, you walk in on December 1 with the month ending November 30th and everything that would normally take a standard CPA, you know, maybe three or four days to, you know, go through all the bank statements and all that stuff is already done, you know, coming in December one, what your cash flow looks like for the entire month. Um, and your CPA can say, Hey, you know, well, you're going to have an excess of this or that, and you need to kind of, you know, uh, uh, maybe take some dollars aside and invest them, put them over here, put them in a the savings account. And I, I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs really need the most help in, in growing their businesses is being able to navigate some of those, you know, even those month to month things, especially if you're um, you know a new a startup something where that cash flow is extremely important how, how do you guys help those new and emerging companies manage that
0: no for sure and, and think about blockchain technology you would have that information accurate information at any point in time any day every day of the month not the first day of the month but the second day of the month the third day of the month the fourth day of the month every single day you have you have you have real-time information that you know is accurate because what blockchain technology does basically is every transaction audits every other transaction. So you know it's accurate to begin with. And in fact, if you take the human side of it out, it's human error that causes those mistakes, right? It's not the computer that's (laughs) making the mistakes, right? It's like we call it um, picnic, problem in chair, not in computer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) That's a good
0: one. So what we need to do is uh, as CPAs is we need to start thinking about what could we do with our cl- for our clients what more can we do you know I always tell people that um, the challenge with the CPA profession is we don't um, we don't bill enough and the reason we don't bill enough is because we don't do enough right <laughs> <laughs> and when we don't do enough we don't bill enough we can't pay enough and so the challenge we have is that we're losing a lot of young people that used to go into the accounting profession. Where are we losing them? To technology. We're losing them to IT, computer technology. That's where the money is. That's that's what's
1: exciting right now. I think we can shift that.
0: I think we can turn that around in our profession. I think so too.
1: I really do. Well, I mean, when you when you really sit back and think about it, if you if you're able to become you know more of uh, this advisor to uh, entrepreneurs to help them navigate some of these things and be more future future focused rather than you know being the, the, the reverse and, and and the and looking in the past and and making those statements and all that, I think that takes the firm. Uh-huh into another location because yes, you're a CPA, but as you become a financial advisor, I think I see a lot of CPAs moving over to be that fiduciary financial advisor for other businesses and set themselves and say, Hey, well, l- let me help you find some really good investments for your ex- excess cash flow, And, and there's additional streams of income now for the CPA in that space, um, which may then be more attractive to those younger people coming in, knowing now that they're not crunching spreadsheets all day.
0: Well, and, and think about this. So, so our fundamental um, recognition of the tax laws that it's basically a series of incentives right that's what it is I mean 30 pages tell you how much tax to pay and the other 6,000 pages tells you how much, how to get how to pay less tax? There are incentives that are on purpose, right, in the tax yeah. law. So once you start understanding the incentives, then what happens is you start lowering your taxes, which means your cash flow is going up, yep. right? Your biggest single expense is income tax, and so you're you're raising that cash flow. Now, what are you going to do with the cash flow? That's actually where that's where wealth ability came from. Essentially, it's because we were a tax CPA firm, and we were creating all of this additional cash flow for our clients and they didn't know what to do with it yeah and so now what we're doing is we're helping them learn what to do with it and we don't take their money we don't invest it for them rather we want them to learn how to invest because who cares more about your money than you do i mean really other than uncle sam but (laughs) nobody cares more about your money than you do so the, the big lie, this is what we always say, the big lie, the big Wall Street lie is that we're too stupid to handle our own money so we need to turn it over to Wall Street when the reality is that there's so much we can do that doesn't take that much time that well, we could produce way better results than Wall well, Street I, could.
1: I think Yeah, I was going to say there's uh, so many other uh, ways that you can place money to do something for you outside of Wall Street that can give you you know, exponential returns. I mean, I was reading the other day, I think in the last 30 years, Wall Street was like plus 7% or 7.5% or something like that, um, including the recession that we had, which, you know, the previous 30 years before that, it was like 9 or 10%. So it's lower, but there are so many other uh, financial services that are available to entrepreneurs and business owners to put their money into where, A, I think that they're not – so concerned about losing it if the market goes down, um, and and making sure they maintain that. Because I, as a as a human being or business owner, it doesn't matter. I know that I worked really hard for whatever money that I have. And I don't want the stock market to lose it. I want to be able to put my money in a place where I know it's a guaranteed growth versus something that could collapse any day, depending on the state of the political environment or all the other factors that factor into Wall Street.
0: Well, and if you're an entrepreneur, what you like is controlling your environment, right? I mean, that's what entrepreneurs do. They come in. Yep. I mean, that's the, the definition of the word. They come in and control a marketplace. So they control their environment. And so what you want to do is what you know is that the more control you have, the less risk you have. And here's the other thing. The way the tax law works, the more control you have, the less tax you pay and the higher rates of return that you have so all of these things work together but it's a function of education when it comes right down to it my friend robert kiyosaki's spot on it's about financial education and it's all about financial education
1: yeah and i love that that's what you guys do uh with with your with your stuff at wealth ability um i like that there's an educational component of it because there's so many services out there and firms out there that are just like. Hey, give me your stuff, you know, exactly. input, output, input, output, input, output. And there's not really a relationship that's being built. Um, and, there, and there's not a lot of advi- advising that's happening in that space. And so when you, when you have the ability to say, hey, you know, not only are we going to do your taxes and make sure all that stuff is good, we're also going to, you know, provide maybe your bookkeeping person who's in your business with some strategies to keep track of, you know, um, certain different components of A, B or C um, to be able to manage the cash flow.
0: No, it's true. I mean, and we do a lot of education. In fact, we actually require our clients to go through some educational processes, which is
1: <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs>
0: completely anathema to, you know, most EPAs. They want to say uh, what I hear is, well, if I tell my clients what I know, then they won't need me anymore. <laughs> and I'm going, I think you got it backwards. Look, if you tell your clients what you know, they're going to be more successful and they're going to need you more than they would if they were less successful.
1: So let's make our clients more successful. You know, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break here in in, in just a minute, but Tom, I got to ask you a question. Um, Do you have kids? I do. I yeah, have two. Two? Uh, older, younger? Uh, older. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna just drop a scenario on you, right? I'm dealing with this right now. I have a six-year-old, right? She okay. loves her, her iPad. She loves to watch Vampirina on the new Disney <laughs> Plus streaming service. And, you know, for me, I'm always struggling to make sure that five more minutes doesn't turn into five hours right. on the screen time. And so um, our, our show today is brought to you by a great company called Circle. Uh, they have a really cool invention uh, that ties into your Wi-Fi in your house. Uh, and it literally allows you to control the screen time across every single screen and every single device in your house or outside of your house if your kid has a phone and you know that they're 11 or 12 years old and they're going to go off to school. And you want them to have the phone because you want to be able to get a hold of them, but you don't want them you know, streaming Netflix in the middle of third period, right? Um, <laughs> So I think with kids, uh, they they face so many distractions online. There's Fortnite, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. The list just goes on. Circle makes it easy to take childhood offline when you need to uh, so that they can focus on homework, chores, or bedtime and it doesn't get out of hand. Um, Circle's the easiest way to manage your family's online time across all their connected devices. And with the Circle Home Plus and Circle app, parents can filter what content is allowed, set limits for screen time, and, of course, monitor history and usage this happened to me yesterday. My daughter, we have a, 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 Kindle fire tablet for her and it wasn't working properly. And so I factory reset the device and I forgot to set up the parental controls and I handed her the tablet. The next thing I know, I'm getting notifications from my bank, you know, a four ninety nine purchase at Amazon. <laughs> and it was like one and then another one and then another one. And I'm going, Oh man, this, she, and I walk in her bedroom and there she is just hitting the buttons on the app screen, you know, and, had I had Circle set up appropriately, um, I would have need. I wouldn't even have needed the parental controls on the device. Circle would have taken care of it. So right now, I want our listeners to go to meetcircle.com forward slash frequency and enter thirty dollar uh, and enter the frequency promo code and you can get thirty dollars off a Circle Home Plus when you visit meetcircle.com forward slash frequency. Uh, you guys are listening to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're with CPA, CEO, and author Tom Wheelwright talking about tax technology. And when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to kind of get down to some of those seven tax and wealth tips everyone should learn in school and how uh, these guys can help you out if you have an entrepreneurial business and need your taxes done. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right after these messages right here on Voice America Talk Radio. Shapeshift World was created to help business owners reach their maximum potential and achieve their dreams. We do this by focusing on the fastest path to cash through planning, product innovation, automation, and social media engagement. Businesses hire Shapeshift to change the way they communicate to their prospects, customers, and employees because their business results are lackluster and sales are not moving the needle fast enough. Using Codebreaker AI technology with our customers, we will change your company's communications and delivery. Delivery approach to an organic style that cannot be unlearned and works for everyone. The bottom line, at Shapeshift World, we increase sales velocity by up to 300% systemically while reducing the time it takes to close the sale. To get your personality and company assessment a $100 value, just text CODEME, C-O-D-E-M-E to the phone number seven two zero 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 and connect with us. It's the first step in shifting the way you think to change the world. Text CODEME to the phone number 7200. you're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ryan Treasure with Finding Your Frequency. Welcome back. We appreciate everybody tuning in to the show. We're here with Tom Realwright, CPA and CEO of WealthAbility, best-selling author of Tax-Free Wealth, speaker and entrepreneur. Tom, thanks for being on the show with us today. Hey, it's great to be on the show, Ryan. By
0: the way, I am totally jealous of your name because I would kill to have the last name Treasure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I hear that from a lot of people, and my response is, I would absolutely kill to have more Treasure. (laughs) I guess that's the pirate in me. There you go. <laughs> well, Tom, we appreciate you being on the show today and uh, talking about wealth, ability, the company, and of course the book that you have out, uh, tax free wealth. We spent the first segment really talking about who you were, where you came from, um, how how uh, mom was the accounting controller at the family business, and you know you moving into the space, and then of course uh, a little bit about technology and how to free the CPA up from always living in the past, and how you know they can move towards being more of a wealth advisor and providing some of those future outlook services. Uh, I consider myself a futurist, right? And so um, I love your your forward thinking and your thought leadership in the space, and you know I want to. just kind of turn the wheel just a little bit because I think um, as people are listening and they're entrepreneurs, there's some you know tax and wealth tips that everyone should learn in school, but they don't, right? Because they don't teach personal finance in school. At all. At all.
0: No, a- absolutely. And uh, that's, of course, uh, our mission. Our mission is to get out and get people to understand that uh, it's okay to take control of your money. It's okay to understand these things. Money's not bad. Money is actually something that you're going to use and something that's important for your future. I've never heard anybody, <laughs> I do a, <clears throat> when I speak, I always ask people, how many of you want to retire poor? And nobody raises their hand. And then I ask how many retire rich and everybody raises their hand. And yet what we do on a day-to-day basis for the most part Uh, actually make sure that we're going to retire poor, that we're not going to retire rich. So I think that, you know, getting that education so that you understand how money works, how taxes work, then you have more money available to you, then you can retire rich, because
1: frankly, that's what we all want to do. Yeah, we all want to retire rich. We want to be able to retire and know that our money is working for us. So that way we don't have to work for it any longer. Exactly. exactly. And we all want to
0: retire now, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's, <laughs> I've, I've never had anybody say, what's your goal to retirement? Well, my goal is 30 years from now. No, it's always seven to 10 years. And the good news is that if the if you get the right education and you pay fewer taxes, you can actually retire in seven to 10 years.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think that's 100% correct. And my, my wife asked me, she's like, so when do you think you're going to retire? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm working really hard to retire tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen, but it's a good goal to have in mind, right? Well, it, it, it
0: certainly is. Unless you love doing what you, I love what you're doing, which is where I am. You know, my, my family asks, well, do you think you'll ever retire? And I'm going, you know, retire means to take out of service. And I don't ever want to be taken out of service. And I love what I do. You're so not I'm, a I'm, robot. I'm, I'm, I'm not a robot. I don't want to be taken out of service. I, uh, I love, I love, love, love what I do. I love that. I get to have impact on entrepreneurs, on individuals. It's why I left the big companies because I wanted to impact, you know, regular everyday individuals.
1: I use the robot reference because I'm a star Wars nerd and, uh, I've, been, I've been binge watching for the last two months, like from <laughs> chronologically from the very beginning of episode number one. Of course. And so last night I just finished a new hope. And so nice. then moving, into the other one so you know you got to sometimes you got to take droids out of service right but uh, and that's absolutely. something that you don't ever have to do with humans we we are uh, uh of nature by service and uh, one of the the key components of like i think who human beings are down at their core anyways
0: yeah there's no question you know if you look at like especially eastern societies they value the more experienced more elderly people um western societies we tend to value youth right that's kind kind of the value we put on it and yet as you get older what you realize is that geez i wish i knew i'd wish i'd known forty years ago what i
1: know now yeah, hundred percent. And I think, you know, for me specifically, I've, I've been working in, uh, in, in, new media and radio for 25 years. Um, I've ran so many rate hours, thousands and thousands of hours of radio shows on business and entrepreneur. And, you know, I've learned about hard money lending and how that works. And, you know, some of the spaces with real estate and, and all these things. And I felt like being in this business has accelerated my ability to learn about some of these, you know, high level pieces. I don't, I, I can tell you like 10 years ago, I would have never been able to have a conversation about blockchain, the distributed ledger, how all that works, you know, without being exposed to, uh, you know, seven years at the AICPA conference in Las Vegas at the MGM. And that and, just sounds you know. painful to me, pal. <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's really cool about that is this is what we do there, right? We talk to other CPAs and, and, and about like, how are they changing their services for them? how are they um, leveraging value based pricing? How are they using bots and AI and the new technology? Uh, and it's really interesting interesting to see that you know i think the trend in the last couple of years that i've been there has been exactly what you and i have been discussing is you know getting the cpa out of being in the past and getting them into being a futurist for the companies
0: no that's exactly what has to happen and and really anytime you have a company you know if it's your company your job is the future your job's not the past your job is the future and and then you need somebody whose actually job is the present Right. And we call that the president because their, <laughs> their, their job is the present. If you're the CEO, frankly, I think your job is the future.
1: Now, if you're the president and CEO, then what do you do then? Because uh, a lot of small entrepreneurial <laughs> companies might only have, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. Our company, there's 20 employees here. Our president and CEO is one in the same human.
0: Well, I, I, I find it personally, I find it unusual that the person who's going to focus on the future and innovate is the same person as the right person to run the day-to-day. Yeah. So whether that's a manager, whatever you call them, manager, director, but somebody's got to run the day-to-day. And
1: I can tell you, in my company, it's not me. Yeah, in, in this company, it's definitely me. I, I definitely run the day-to-day so I, I can see the difference even though I don't have I'm not the CEO But I'm the vice president of operations. Well, so there you that's go. My, that's that's that, my that's primary. your job You're the day-to-day guy. <laughs> yeah, I am. So let's talk about some of these tax things, you know, why? Uh, why does the government want people to start businesses? What what is in it for them? I mean, they just well, want to tax everybody or uh, what's the deal?
0: Well, no here think about this think about this What does the government want to have done if you want to know what the government wants to have done? Look at the tax law. So the government wants jobs created, yeah. right? They want innovation right they want better energy right and more energy right they want houses to be built they want a lot of things done that they know that in the US we know that the government isn't best at doing everything Right? There are some some there've like been some how, experiments I like in the past. Put that. <laughs> There's some experiments in the past where people have said, well the government should do everything. I'm going, well that those experiments have tend to fail mm-hmm. because the government doesn't do everything best. The individual, the entrepreneur tends to be the innovator. That's the innovative process. And so what has the government in the US has done basically since the 60s has said, look, we know that everybody hates paying taxes. Is that fair? Everybody hates paying taxes. Yeah. Okay. So what if we gave them an an incentive that meant it said if you do what we want you to do, we'll have you pay less taxes. That's actually more meaningful than if we give you money. Because people hate paying taxes. So they go, Wow, I get a tax reduction for that, I get a tax deduction, I get a tax credit. Therefore, wow, that's I want to do more of that. And so in business, that means I want to hire more employees because I'm going to get more tax breaks. In uh, Or I want to put my money back in business. I mean, think about this. Every dollar you put back in your business is not taxable. You're building an investment. You're building value in your business. And yet that dollar you put back in your business is a deduction. So it's not taxable. Whereas if you took that money and you went and spent it on you know, video games or ice cream or, you know, tr- whatever, personal yeah. stuff, it would be taxable.
1: Yeah. But if, let's let's just clarify this for the for the listeners. So if you had, let's say, uh, $10,000 in profit, um, that's a taxable income. And after taxes, I'm just using really easy numbers, right? You end up with $9,000 um, of, of, of income after it's been taxed. You can take that $9,000 and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start a new project within the company to leverage blockchain for or uh, managing our this this and this, or our deliveries, or whatever it is, depending on what business you're in, and then that's all deductible.
0: I'm I'm going to take it one step further. You don't have nine thousand; you have ten thousand, because if you put that whole ten thousand back into that business into into that new technology, you don't have to pay any tax. Ah. it's tax free. That's why the book's tax free wealth, right? Because it's tax free. And not only that, but now you can actually put that money back in the company over and over and over again, five years later, six years later, ten years later, you can sell the company and pay no tax. So there are there are provisions in the tax law. These aren't, by the way, these aren't loopholes. These aren't mistakes. These are things that the government wants to have happen. Why? Because they want the innovation. The government actually knows, believe it or not, that the government is not the best place on Earth for innovation. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, look at... We've even gone away from government doing rockets. We've gone to... Private, yeah. privatizing SpaceX, yeah. privatizing, privatizing uh, space, right? Why? Because we have a terrific entrepreneur in Elon Musk who's willing to take that kind of risk and will put that yeah, into NASA, it. And put NASA that kind of now pays him so, to, exactly. to send stuff up to the love space that. station. Yeah. I I actually love that. Elon Musk is one of my huge heroes. I think he's just that truck absolutely, is really ugly, though. Uh, that is the ugliest thing ever. <laughs> but <laughs> outside of that, they say they have two hundred fifty thousand orders for it, though. So. Apparently, some people think it's cool. Anyway, I, but I love, I love Tesla. I love Elon Musk. So here's what happens. So think about, think about Tesla. Tesla's a really good case in point. Okay, so Tesla. Don't, This doesn't pay any taxes because all their money either goes back in their business, goes to innovation. They have research development tax credits. They have um, energy tax credits. They have uh, deductions for their business expenses. The reason Amazon hasn't paid any taxes, first of all, it's because it had losses for years and years and years and years, right? But it also has a lot of innovation. I mean, Amazon has innovated a lot of things. And so they have all these tax credits. Why? Because the, the government wants innovation to happen. So that's one of the things they want to have happen. Okay, so why don't, why don't real estate investors pay tax? Well, good real estate investors should never pay tax. Why not? Well, because they're building homes. They're building housing for other people. They're not using this money for themselves. They're building these things for other people. You know, back when um, in the 2016 presidential election, people, you know, would ask me, was it true that can Donald Trump really not pay any tax? And I'm going to have to have an idiot for an accountant to be paying any tax with all the real estate that he has and all the debt that he uses right so this is what the tax law is intended
1: to do it's intended to incentivize entrepreneurial activities you can't get mad at a guy who makes a bunch of money on real estate and then turns around and takes that and starts another company for construction to help with the real estate side
0: no, right. I, I, I mean, th- that's business. Uh, that's the, You know, here's the thing. That's what entrepreneurs do. And the government has chosen. I'm not a policy guy, but the cho- <laughs> government has chosen to reward it. And if that's what the government wants to reward, then that's fine. So why why would we not take advantage? And here's the thing. Everybody complains about all these tax benefits right to the rich. The reality is anybody can use them. You don't have to be rich. You, know, you can b- go buy a fourplex. You know, you can go go do a fourplex. You can start a small business online. You get the same exact tax benefits as Tesla and Apple. And Amazon. I mean, you get the same tax benefits. They're there for
1: everybody. You just have to get the financial education. Yeah, so for all of you entrepreneurs that are listening out there, make sure you guys get a hold of uh, Tom at WealthAbility because if you're spending $100,000 a year on technology and web development and and making new tools for your customers and making those things available, those are all reinvestments into the underlying infrastructure of a company. And I've seen a bunch of times in, in my tenure with friends that I know who runs small businesses, who their accountant writes that off as just this is an expense to do business when it is much more than that.
0: Right, a- absolutely. Because in that case, you can get an expense and a credit. So a credit's even better because an expense just reduces the amount of income that's taxed, right? Which our highest tax rate is 40% in this country, not counting California. Um, right? but, but what happens is, is that that's our highest tax rate. But if you get a credit, that's a dollar for dollar back. Against your taxes. So, credits are worth way more than deductions. And so, if you can get both, that's like tax nirvana.
1: Tax nirvana. That's awesome. So, you know, why, uh, as, as you're looking at taxes, why is it important for those business owners to look at their cash on a daily basis? Well, I
0: mean, you said it. First thing, right, cash is what makes a business run and it's all about cash. And frankly, the fastest way to increase your cash flow is to lower your taxes. It's absolutely the easiest, fastest way to increase your cash flow. But cash flow is is the lifeblood. I mean, you think about, you know, blood is what makes us function as human beings, right? And uh, hydraulics is what makes a a car function. Oil makes a car function. What makes a business function? It's cash. Cash is the lifeblood of a business. So we we really do have to pay attention to cash.
1: Every single day. That is the only thing, by the way, that I pay attention to every single day is cash. Cash. So when you're looking at um, you know having a profit and and then you know wanting to you know create other assets for the business, a so you can put more stuff in there. How do you identify, you know, from a from a CPA basis or from a futurist base As you're giving wealth management tips, how do you identify what are the assets to go either to create or acquire to you know make that that uh, company more wealthy?
0: Well, I, I think the first thing you have to know as a company is who you are. Right. You know what, what's your business? Who are you? What who's your customer? What are you trying? What's your mission? You know, I think that the problem that a lot of companies have is they're so focused on profit they forget their mission. And anybody who's focused on profit is going to lose that profit. That's the reality. Profit is a consequence of achieving your mission. As long as you have a, a, a good mission and your employees all buy in and you're smart about it, the problem that most that a lot of companies run into it is. They'll bring people in and say, oh, you need to do this, this, and this, and it's all about profit. And it goes against their mission. It goes against the core of who they are. So if you're looking at additional projects, like when we started looking at technology, we weren't looking at any technology. We're looking at technology that affects CPAs. We're l- looking at technology that affects Our customer base, we're looking at something that actually expands what we're able to do, what we're already doing, because we have a mission in life. We're going to we're going to we're out there to help people create their own wealth and reduce their taxes in doing so. And if we're going to do that, everything we do needs to be focused on
1: that mission. Yeah, I've, I've heard so many times from people we've done interviews with, entrepreneurs, and, and almost 100% of them will always say that if as long as you put your mission and service to your customers first, the profits will come. Absolutely. And, and I wholeheartedly believe in that myself, and I've, I've watched brand-new startups, and um, I, I, watched, I watched a, a person – in California, startup just you know one or two stages here and there, talking about his story. To um, now he's doing you know whole conferences called Servex, um, you know with some of the biggest names in in motivational speaking like Les Brown and um, you know these guys are are serving their community and that was where he started. It was about service. That's why it's called Servex. And one of the cool things I like about Servex too is if I want to go to Servex, I can go there for free, but I have to bring the value of what service I'm going to provide for the event, oh nice, right? And so, um, and then all the proceeds go to help homeless children uh, for that particular event. And so something that I've always thought, especially here in our business, I mean, uh, Voice America is a professional services and marketing and uh, production company. We we make radio shows and podcasts and all that. So we have a level of customer service that's required. And, you know, I think that if all people take that um, idea of customer service and putting the customer first, then all of the other components of your business and growth and all those things will just be kind of drug along the way.
0: Oh, there's no question. That's, that's why the, the worst thing I ever get, I hear from people is saying they'll, they'll listen to me for 40 minutes on, on a stage and they'll come up to me and they'll say, why didn't my accountant tell me that? And I'm going, maybe your accountant didn't know it, or maybe your accountant just doesn't have that customer service drive anymore. And so, you know, sometimes I, I say, well, sometimes you just need to upgrade, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter if it's an employee right? If it's equipment or whether it's a professional service company, sometimes you need to upgrade and you need to make really good evaluation. So when you're looking at those assets, you know, go back to that um, that line about what assets am I looking at? We always have to look at our assets as are they performing, underperforming or non-performing? Yeah. And if they're non-performing, we should get rid of them. <laughs> if they're underperforming, we need to do something about them. And the goal is for every single asset that we have to be performing. And that includes clients' and staff, right, yeah, includes 100%. people as well that they'd better be performing. And so one of the challenges that CPAs have is they have clients that are non-performing, okay? They're doing work for them and not getting paid for it. I'm going, what is wrong with you? You're, you're, that, Get them out of there. Why are That's you... like the first rule of value-based pricing. Exactly. <laughs> first thing you do is, if it's a non-performing asset, you, you don't want a non-performing <laughs> asset. You know, and if it's underperforming, that may be that it's about you, not about them, right? Maybe that you're not you're not serving them properly, or you're not taking care of them, and so you can actually increase the value of that asset. In a CPA firm, our assets, our only assets, are our clients.
1: So we would better be taking care of those assets. Yeah, that's 100% correct. You know, I just, I just dropped a little hint about value-based pricing, right? Because one of the underlying philosophies of value-based pricing is like, if you have 10,000 customers, well, number one, you've got to identify which of those customers do you want to continue to work with? And, and, and then set, um, you know, uh, parameters on how you're going to be pricing the customers that you do keep, right? Because at that point, you're no longer, you know, punching the time card, right? The, the the whole idea behind value-based pricing is I'm not charging it for my time. I'm charging it for the end result. Um, Is that something that you guys deploy in, in your practice we, we do
0: we do we absolutely we do value-based pricing I, I hate the idea of paying somebody more by because they're inefficient and that's an <laughs> hourly base that's that's the way the the legal profession and the and the accounting profession have kind of grown up the le- the less efficient we are the more money we make how is that okay right i mean shouldn't it be the more we deliver to you the more result we deliver to you who cares how much time it takes i mean if it only takes us an hour to do it, and we get you the 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 result that if you went to somebody else, that it take them ten hours. Shouldn't we be charging the same price because that's the value?
1: You know, you bring up a really good point. So, like I said, I've been in this business for twenty five years, right? I have customers who will sometimes say, "Hey, Ryan, I need you to produce A, B, and C for me, right?" And I turn it around and I give it to them the next day, right? And I might charge them whatever my price is. And I've had somebody ask me, "Well, if it only took you a day to do this, why are you charging this much money?" And I'm said, "I'm not charging you for." Or my time, the, the time I'm charging you for the last 25 years of my life that allowed me to do it that fast. I said, so next time, you can, I can give you options. Do you want it tomorrow, next week, or next month? <laughs> <laughs> right? And then you look at value-based pricing in that perspective, right?
0: So so we had an interesting, I had an interesting experience several years ago when we first went to value pricing, we went to a flat fee mm-hmm. type of a pricing. And I, I, we had a neighbor across the hall from our office and there there were two partners and one of them comes to me and he, he's talking to me and cuz we got to know him really well and they're good good guys and he hired us and it was like $2500 to do this project right and i said so what about your partner what's going on there oh he decided to, to do it himself i'm going okay so let me get this straight i've spent at that time 25 years like you I'd spent 25 years learning this i have a masters of tax degree from the best school in, in the world in in tax And you're telling me that it's cheaper to go learn what I've learned than it is to pay me $2,500. I mean, I'm just going, Are you kidding? He says, "Yeah, I don't get it either." (laughs) Yeah, I
1: would, I would, I would call that flawed logic.
0: (laughs) But that's what. But think about it. We do that all the time. We don't build teams around us. You know, one of the things that is fun with the Rich Dad Advisor Group is that we're a team, right? So we have real estate experts, and we have stock experts, and we have sales experts, and we have tax experts, right? And we, and we actually go on stage as a team, and it's, it's like all we're talking about is. Build your team. We even wrote a book about building your team called More Important Than Money. And the reason is because, you know, we're taught in school to do things ourselves. And if we get help from somebody else, that's cheating. That's cheating, right? (laughs) It's not cooperation. It's cheating. Whereas in the real world, the businesses grow because they have good teams around them. They have, you know, and, and not just their immediate team, but they've got good advisors around them. They've got good people who are going to help them grow because the reality is you can't know everything and And the way I always look at it is the more I know, the more I realize I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, you don't know what you don't know, and so that's why it's important to have good people around you so that way that's you can so you, can, they you know. can figure that out exactly. So they <laughs> That's why I don't do graphic design and we have a graphic design <laughs> department because I don't know what there I don't know in that space, right? There you Tom, go. Tom, I appreciate you being on the show. We're here with uh, uh, Tom Wheelwright. He's the CPA and CEO of WealthAbility, best-selling author of Tax-Free Wealth, the Rich Dad Advisor Series, speaker, entrepreneur, and host of two popular podcasts. So what are what are your two podcasts?
0: So we have the WealthAbility Show, which is for entrepreneurs and investors, and then we have a specific show that's for CPAs, um, the WealthAbility Show for CPAs. So here's what we, what we discovered is the, very, the, the number one question I get when I go on these speaking tours is, where do I find somebody who understands this? And I couldn't help them because, you know, we could only take so many clients in our CPA firm. And so I was kind of left with, what do I do? So what we decided was, let's develop a network of CPAs, Yep. okay, and let's train CPAs. So what we tell people is, look, if you really like your CPA, but they don't understand you you think you're paying too much tax they don't understand what they need to do Or you know they're just looking historically like we talked about today then maybe it's time that you just bring them to us and bring your cpa to us and we'll we'll train them we're happy to train your cpa and if you have a cpa that you go you know what they're never gonna learn then you come and one way or another (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna serve you so that that's our goal our goal is to help Literally hundreds of thousands
1: of entrepreneurs around the world. And Tom, what's your website? Uh, website is simple. simplest, WealthAbility.com. Well, Tom, I appreciate you coming into the studio today and having a nice fun time with us. Uh, again, we're with Tom Wheelwright, CPA and CEO of WealthAbility. Go check out the books, Tax-Free Wealth. And you guys can check out his podcast, Searchable I would imagine, on Absolutely. all places that podcasts. Every, are everywhere sure you, you can can find it. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys tuning in to Finding Your Frequency. Please make sure you go check us out on your favorite podcast mechanism, whether it be Apple, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or the 27 other ones I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, please make sure you like and share it with your friends. And, of course, give us five stars because four stars are no good. We like five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we appreciate it, you guys. Uh, stay tuned for another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice of America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.